Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I hope you guys all had a successful week five. And as I promised, we are back here on Tuesday with a full recap and waiver wire segment in today's episode since I was not around on Sunday and Monday night to be able to record the first part of what I usually do. So this will be a full episode. And the same thing is going to happen next week just to give you guys all a heads up. I'm going to also be away again next weekend. I will be unable to record part one of the recap like I normally do on Sunday night so that way you have guys first thing Monday morning. So again, next week will be the same thing. It will be a full recap episode on Tuesday of the previous week. And then, of course, the waiver wire report. In today's episode, we have a lot we have to cover, of course, and it will be abbreviated analysis through each game. So just I'm just going to talk about the main fantasy performers and underperformers of the week from each matchup. And then we have kind of a short waiver wire segment in today's episode. Uh, I will let you guys know I may do the waiver report on Wednesday night instead of Tuesday night. So I'll let you guys know. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow or on Facebook at MDFFshow to get all the updates of when I come out with new content there. Of course, making sure you're checking out my website, www.mdffshow.com, for all the latest rankings, which should be up sometime Thursday afternoon of this week. And of course, uh, you can always get your start sick questions into me there through email email and or any through my social media accounts as well. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get right into it because we got a lot of content that we want to get to. Remember, we're going to recap everything through. Just go quickly through the underperformers, overperformers. We don't have a too long of an episode in this one. And then a small but pivotal uh, waiver wire segment later on in the episode. So you don't want to miss a thing. Make sure you listen throughout the entire thing. So let's go ahead, hit the break, and let's dive right into this week five. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. So before we go ahead and get started into our analysis recovering from week five, I have to say this is probably one of the strangest weeks in the sense of there was so much scoring in this week, just in fantasy in general. I've never seen so many guys have multiple touchdowns in one week. We saw a ton of that and not just like two touchdowns, but like three touchdowns four touchdowns. So we're going to talk about all of that, but that, it was just a crazy week where a lot of players dropped a ton of points in lineups this week. So even if you had a top-notch performer like a Deshaun Watson, if you're playing against somebody who had Aaron Jones and Christian McCaffrey, which is highly likely that that could have been a case, you still would have lost. It was just that much scoring all the way around for a lot of the big-time players going into this matchup. Very interesting to see, made for a lot of great action throughout the week. But kicking off things, we're going to start off with one lopsided game, which was the Patriots and the Washington Redskins. Now look, on the Redskins side of the ball, we know that now Jay Gruden has been fired. So that's a great thing for the Redskins moving forward. They look completely unprepared once again for that game. Had no chance whatsoever. Colt McCoy gave them no chance. And now the Redskins may just begin to start their future and hit the reset button. And I really would be surprised if Dwayne Haskins was not the starter heading into this Sunday because they're at the point now where they just need to completely just go into it and just completely uh, reset that team and start building for the future. So that's what we're going to expect to see. What does that mean fantasy-wise? Well, that what that means fantasy-wise for us is that Terry McLaurin is going to possibly be uh, just as good as he has been with Dwayne Haskins there. The rapport is already there. So I'm not worried about Terry McLaurin moving forward. We knew this was a tough matchup in this game as he was very questionable leading up to it. He still led the team with seven targets, three catch, 51 yards. But he's going to be able to maintain his fantasy value with Dwayne Haskins being his starting quarterback. So I'm not worried about anything there. New coach Bill Callahan, who comes in and takes over for Jay Gruden here, already came out and said he wants to make an emphasis to try to get the run established, which is going to be taking pressure off of Dwayne Haskins and just kind of getting back to the basics. I do believe that means Adrian Peterson's going to find himself on the field. They have a good matchup next week against the Miami Dolphins to try to establish what it is they're going to want to do in each game moving forward, and we're going to have to see how that all plays out. But for now, Wendell Smallwood, I think, is going to be taking a back seat. It was kind of weird the way he got as many carries as he did in this game. Six carries, 27 yards. Most of it came in garbage time, but still, he has been kind of a focal point of, not a focal point, but he has been a factor in the offense and a big reason why AP doesn't get on the field consistently other than Washington being blown out. 
against the Miami Dolphins. I think you're going to see an opportunity for this team to try to get a little bit back on track. Um, while I think Adrian Peterson doesn't really have much season-long value, he may be a flex-worthy start next week, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later on in the episode just because it is the Miami Dolphins, just because it's going to be a new coaching regime that's going to want to lean on the running game uh, next week. So it may not be such a Chris Thompson game. And this one, it was kind of disappointing. Five catches, 17 yards. I guess he still offered you some floor as far as a flex pay for uh, PPR leagues, but when Cole McCoy took over, it was just, you knew the Redskins weren't going to be able to do much offensively against the number one defense in the New England Patriots. Uh, so nothing really more to talk about there, but on the Patriots side of the ball, Tom Brady it was a slow start, but he got going. He got the fantasy game that you expected him to have in this one. 348 yards, three touchdowns. He's been really great. He's been a top five quarterback, and I do think that success is going to continue as the Patriots have one of the easier schedules throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Sony Michelle was able to get back on track in this one. 16 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Looked much better. This was a plus matchup to help him get going. And next week when they play the New York Giants, I think Benjamin Watson's going to be back. That only helps them in the run-blocking game. And it's another matchup that they can go to Sony Michelle, and he should have more success than he had previously in this season, too. So I think he might have back-to-back days where Sony Michelle is going to give you that RB2 type of performance that you drafted him to be. Now, he's not going to be an RB2 in the upcoming weeks until this gets more consistent, but I do think next week against the Giants on the Thursday night game, I think Sony Michelle is definitely in line to have another good week under his belt. Uh, one of the helpful things is that Rex Burkhead was inactive in this game, and James White, therefore, was able to take over the passing downs. This team, to me, this offense especially, is just much better when they only lean on Sony Michelle and James White. They're a little bit less predictable. Those guys work well when they're able to get in the rhythm, and that's only really able to happen if they leave Rex Burkhead out of it. I don't know why they continue to have to use three running backs. I don't know why it's a necessity. When you have Sonny Michelle and you have James White, you already have the perfect committee right there. I don't think there's any reason to stress that. I don't think there's any reason to mess with that. We'll have to see if this Thursday continues to be the same. There's a good chance Rex Burkhead will still not be able to suit up, so James White and Sonny Michelle can both be played in a top matchup for them. Julian Edelman had the big one in this one. Eight catches, 110 yards, a touchdown. We know what Julian Edelman is. He's a solid wide receiver, too, in PPR leagues. He can be a high-end wide receiver, too. And there's going to be some weeks where he scores, some weeks where he doesn't. But at the end of the day, you know he's going to have a high floor week in and week out, especially now the Patriots are going to be leaning on Edelman and Josh Gordon to still be their primary pass catchers. Gordon, once again, was a little bit disappointing in this one. Not able to take advantage of a... Poor man Josh Norman at this point in his career. Five catches, 59 yards, but the targets have still been there. Eight targets in this one. I do think that's going to continue. Josh Gordon still has the big play-making ability. The risk, uh, excuse me, the Patriots are just not have not been in a position that they have to score, that they have to put pressure on their team. So when they don't have to do certain things, they're going to be conservative in certain situations or not take as many big shots if they don't have to. But they have other games where they're going to be going up against tougher opponents that will put them in positions that actually have to be more aggressive, and that will bode well for Josh Gordon, but he continues to be a high-end wide receiver three for me because of his role in that offense and the volume that he still has been showing. That's pretty much all to talk about in that game for us. We can go ahead, we can move on to the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans, and this game is not going to take long at all. First of all, there really aren't any 
main fantasy guys on either one of these teams that I'm going to be playing week in and week out, except for Derrick Henry on Tennessee side, who had 20 carries, 78 yards, a touchdown in this one. He just continues to be run dependent. He's not a guy who's going to give you much in the passing down work, and in this game, he wasn't targeted at all. But it's not what you're leaning on him for. You're leaning on him to be an RB2 who's going to get 20 carries in a pro script for the Tennessee Titans and possibly get you a touchdown. If anybody's going to score, it's going to be him. So that's Derrick Henry did his job in a tough matchup against the Buffalo Bills, and he's going to continue to do what he does. So nothing on Derrick Henry for me worries me moving forward. As far as the pass catchers go, you know what you're getting yourself into. First of all, this was a tough matchup against the Buffalo Bills, but this is also a Tennessee offense that's going to be highly inconsistent when it comes to the passing attack. While A.J. Brown and Corey Davis maybe should be rostered in most leagues, I do believe that they aren't people that you can really trust playing and are only going to be playing them in flex spot starts with the bye weeks and injuries that we have going through this part of the season. Other than that, I don't think there are anybody that you can lean on. They're more like wide receiver fours who in the right matchup could offer you wide receiver three potential due to the fact that they are bigger targets that could work into the red zone with A.J. Brown. Uh, should have had a touchdown in this one, was called back due to a penalty. So he was active in the red zone and has been the number one red zone threat over Corey Davis so far this season. Uh, disappointing here, Delaney Walker only had two targets, one catch, 10 yards. I do believe better days are ahead for Delaney Walker. He was dealing with a little bit of an injury. But in better matchups, he's still Mariota's go-to guy to move the chain. So I do think Delaney Walker will turn things around as we move forward and still be maybe a higher-end tight end two than a tight end one moving forward. But somebody that you I wouldn't be dropping right away that a lot of people are panicking on. On the Buffalo Bills side of the ball, it was good to see Josh Allen be able to come back after that nasty hit he took a week ago. Came back in this one, 219 yards, two touchdowns. Just He's going to have a very low floor from week to week, uh, being that he just doesn't throw the ball very well. Now, he'll always have some kind of serviceability because he's going to be able to rush. In this one, he only ran for 27 yards, though. But he's just somebody who's very matchup dependent and is more of a streaming option still in my mind. Frank Gore here still got the bell count because Devin Singletary was inactive. But I do believe Devin Singletary is going to be back next week. So I do think the days of Frank Gore being the bell count running back for the Buffalo Bills may be behind him at this point. He was still efficient on the ground. Didn't have a ton of carries, 14 carries, 60 yards. Still have been able to play well, but his 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 days of being a flex play because of volume are about to disappear. And in this one, I wouldn't have played him anyway because it was a tough matchup against the Tennessee Titans who are very good against the run. Cole Beasley only had three targets, three catches, 21 yards. John Brown had a decent game in this one. Five targets, five catches, 75 yards. He continues to be the only Buffalo Bills wide receiver that I take of note and would have rostering on my team if I have to take a shot on somebody kind of a similar mold of an A.J. Brown and a Corey Davis where I feel like you have to roster them, yes, because of their positions on their team and the opportunities that they get as a result of that, but not somebody who I'm going to want to have to play unless I absolutely have to. So in a game that had a lot more fantasy relevance was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints. Winston wasn't great, but wound up being serviceable at the end because he was able to get that late score touchdown to Chris Godwin and kind of saved his fantasy day from being a complete bust to a guy that at least kept you competitive 
or can't say necessarily it was his fault that you lost. It was a tougher matchup going against the Saints here, but I did believe they were going to be able to take advantage of the backside secondary of the Saints. And in some ways they did because Chris Godwin had a huge game. Seven catches, 125 yards, two touchdowns on nine targets. Chris Godwin, to me, is the receiver on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that's actually matchup proof. Mike Evans was held catchless, was held targetless in this game against Marshawn Lattimore. Now, while it should not have been that bad, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been targeted at all. I do think that's a microcosm of if he has a tough, tough matchup and Chris Godwin has the mismatch, Winston's going to look Chris Godwin's way and he's not going to force the ball to Mike Evans this season. And that's why I think Mike Evans is somebody who, to me, has dropped into more of a wide receiver two category who has wide receiver one upside, but no longer a wide receiver one for me. And if you can find ways to move on, maybe buy low on a DeAndre Hopkins and a Mike Evans package, maybe on an Odell Beckham, those are, those are routes that I would look to take if I have Mike Evans because to me right now, he's going to be matchup dependent on his availability to be a wide receiver one. Otherwise, he's a wide receiver two in my book and could be looking even further down if he has tough matches against number one corners throughout the year. With Jameis, I do think you're going to be able to go back to playing him. They do have the London game next week against the Carolina Panthers, so that will be interesting to see. But I do think he's still been playing decent football. He didn't play bad in this one, just didn't get as many opportunities, and the Saints defense played pretty well. The running backs continue to be a committee. Ronald Jones had nine carries to Peyton Barber's eight. Peyton Barber's the one who found the end zone. And they both had similar yards. Ronald Jones with 35 yards. uh, Peyton Barber with 32. As long as both of these guys are splitting touches in this way, I don't think either one of them has much fantasy value as far as starting in your lineups. If you have to roster them, fine. If I'm rostering one, it's Ronald Jones because I do think he has more of a chance to take over as this season goes on. And frankly, watching Peyton Barber run is watching paint dry. So I'd rather not have him on my team. But right now, he's the only person I would be taking a shot on. On the Saints side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater bounced back with a big week. 300 yards, four touchdowns in this one. This was a matchup he should have been able to take advantage of. And Michael Thomas got back on track, at least as far as having one of his bigger games in a plus matchup. We know the Tampa Bay secondary is something you're going to be able to take advantage of. But he came off in a big way here with 11 catches, 182 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. If you were souring on Michael Thomas or you were worried about his ceiling until Drew Brees comes back, this should settle things where you know if you get the matchup in your favor, you're still going to have the ability to have big games. But also know that he's proven so far, Bridgewater that is, up until this point, even in tougher matchups, Michael Thomas is still going to get enough of a volume to be fantasy relevant week in and week out. So he's always going to have a decent floor, even with Bridgewater, it's just going to take certain matchups for him to be able to have opportunities for his ceiling. But this was a good indication for that. Alvin Kamara here, 16 carries, 62 yards, tacked on six receptions for 42 yards. So over 100 yards from scrimmage, did have six catches to help out in PPR leagues. He just didn't score in this game. But he's been he's had a very high floor week in and week out, and he'll be through the roof when Drew Brees comes back, which should be just in time for the fantasy playoffs. So my advice to you is to stand pat on Alvin Kamara. If you're getting a little twitchy, think maybe you should get another RB1. Don't. Stand pat on him. Teddy Bridgewater has shown that he can get him the ball enough. He will have bigger days ahead. I'm not going to worry about him being my RB1 moving forward. Just a quick note, Jared Cook did find the end zone in this one, but he's still somebody who has only had now one decent game. This is his first decent game of the year. Not somebody who I'm going to trust at the tight end position still moving forward in this one. I don't think there's going to be too many games this season where Teddy Bridgewater throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns. And even then, he still only had 41 yards receiving. He just happened to find the end zone. 
So the next game I want to talk about here with you guys is the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. It's kind of a disappointing game for the Ravens. Lamar Miller, I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson was picked off three times in this one. The last one wasn't his fault. It was tipped up in the air, but still, three interceptions didn't play particularly well. This goes now as another game in a row where the Pittsburgh defense actually played pretty decently. Now, Baltimore was still able to come away with the win, and Lamar Jackson still tacked on 70 yards rushing. So he still gave you that floor, and this was probably going to be one of his worst days throwing the ball this season because he has looked pretty good. They kept getting banged up. Mark Andrews left this game for a little bit, came back in. Marquise Brown left this game for a little bit, did come back in. So the pass catchers were getting banged up left and right. They won a tough game. They have better matches ahead. They play Cincinnati Bengals next week. Lamar Jackson has still been the QB1 so far this season. That's right, over Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson has still been the QB1 and still remains that way. So I'm not going to be souring on Lamar Jackson at all in case some people were starting to. Mark Ingram in this one continues to establish that he is the main guy. Got 19 carries in this one, 44 yards and a touch. I expect him to have a big week next week too. And Marquise Brown... Again, didn't have a lot of receptions, didn't have a lot of yards, but he did find the end zone in this one. And Mark Andrews continues to be a tight end one with five catches for 45 yards on seven targets and continues to be the top pass catcher that Lamar Jackson looks to go to in these matchups. On the Steelers' side of the ball, that was a scary moment we had for Mason Rudolph. I, that was really, really, really terrifying. I was able to get up under his own power, which was nice to see. Was able to leave the hospital that night. But they've already come out and said that Devlin Hodges is going to be the starting quarterback in Week 6. Probably rightfully so, just giving Mason Rudolph some time off. What does that mean? Well, it means they're just going to continue to lean even more on the run game than they already have. James Conner's been making a comeback. He has 14 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown in this one. And was also able to tack on... Uh, tack on some plays here in this one. He got a little bit nicked up. Jalen Samuels had to come in for a bit, but they're still running the Wildcat. They're still using both running backs. Now, what you do like to see if you're James Conner owners, that this was not the 50-50 split. Conner was definitely the lead guy in this game, and this was a tougher matchup than you would see against Cincinnati too, so that partly had to do with it, but because they're going to have to lean on the running game in general, James Conner, as long as he's healthy and on the field, is going to get his touches. Cool thing for Juju Smith-Schuster is he had a little bit of a bounce back. Seven targets, seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. That's what you like to see. I said it last week. Juju Smith-Schuster was going to have to get more involved in this offense moving forward. He was too good to keep leaving him as an afterthought. Now, with Devlin Hodges in there, all bets are off. I think you still have to play Juju Smith-Schuster, but knowing exactly what kind of production you can hope and expect for out of him, I think it's going to be really, really hard until Mason Rudolph at least comes back because it did look like Mason Rudolph was starting to build some comfortability there with Schuster and giving you guys hope moving forward. I see he's still somebody who has to be considered more of a lower end wide receiver too right now just because he has the ability to still put up good numbers. But he is somebody who if you're a Juju Smith Schuster owner, hopefully you're able to make another deal or had another wide receiver one on your roster because I don't think he's going to come back up to wide receiver one status at any point again this season uh, unless something crazy happens when Rudolph comes back and they start just hitting on all cylinders, which I don't think is going to wind up being the case. So I think Schuster is not going to be a wide receiver one for the rest of the year, but I do, I do think you can still hope for solid wide receiver two production out of Schuster for this season moving forward. Nobody else of really note for the pass catchers. Vance McDonald was able to come back in this one, but other than Schuster, I'm not going to be playing another receiver until Mason Rudolph comes back, and even then, it'll be a matchup-based uh, proposition to put one of these guys in your starting lineups. 
Next game I want to talk about here is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. Gardner Minshew is starting to creep into streamer territory. They, they're letting him throw the ball more and more, and this was a competitive game. He went 374 yards and two touchdowns in this one, so he was very good, and he was able to hit DJ Shark, who continues to be his number one wide receiver, continues to be the one guy on the Jacksonville receiving core that I'm willing to play on a week-in, week-out basis, and right now, DJ Shark has to be considered a wide receiver too. He's been consistently good, all except for the tough matchup that he had against the Denver Broncos, and that was going up against Chris Harris, which you kind of expected him not to have a big game. So other than that, DJ Chark has been a top-notch performer week in and week out on a consistent basis for you. So as long as Gardner Minshew's in, I do have to keep trusting DJ Chark to keep performing and keep producing. Eight catches for 164 yards and two touchdowns in this one. D.D. Westbrook was solid. Seven catches, 82 yards on 11 targets. There's not normally going to be this much volume in the passing game. So Minshew, to me, he's a streaming quarterback. Still not somebody who I'm willing to trust on a week-to-week basis. It's still going to have to be very much a matchup situation. But more importantly with him is that they're helping the value of Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette is now being able to get some room running the football. It's the second week in a row where he's had a lot more success. Uh, 23 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown in this one. His first touchdown finally of the season. And then he was able to tack on four catches for 29 yards on seven targets, being the third leading receiver on the team too. Uh, the big thing here is that as long as he's able to keep getting the ball to DJ Chark, as long as defenses have to keep respecting that they might be able to push the ball downfield to at least some degree, Leonard Fournette is actually seeing less and less eight-man fronts, which is really helping uh, with his ability to be able to run. Not just that, but in having Greg Robinson back too. So you have the offensive line that is healthy right now. You have a passing attack that's actually respectable. And you're seeing the last couple of weeks that Leonard Fournette has been able to produce in those situations. For the Carolina Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, need I say more? 19 carries, 176 yards, two touchdowns, tax on six catches for 61 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. He is the offense. Everyone else, as long as Kyle Allen is the starting quarterback, is an afterthought and has to be treated as such. Look, DJ Moore had a solid game in this one. Six catches, 91 yards. Curtis Samuel, not, not thought about. Now, that's the good thing because... Most teams are going to be leaning more on DJ more than they are on Curtis Samuel in in your fantasy lineup. So that's why I say that's the good thing. Because the last couple of weeks, DJ Moore had been the guy that Kyle Allen was not going to. He was going to Curtis Samuel more over him. So it was good to see the guy who's truly the number one wide receiver have a bit of a bounce back as far as target share goes. And as far as performance goes. But with Kyle Allen as the quarterback... Really, outside of Christian McCaffrey, I don't know how you, who you can trust. And in this game, Greg Olson wasn't even targeted. And this is the second week in a row where he's been a complete dud. So now all of a sudden, Greg Olson goes back to streaming tight end territory where he was up as a tight end one. And now you get a little more feel for the receivers moving forward, knowing that it's going to be very matchup based, I believe, in, in the sense of when you can play these guys. I do think in plus matchups, Kyle Allen's shown you he can take advantage in certain matchups like he did against Arizona. But since then, has been more inconsistent and hasn't been able to produce at such a high level. We're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We got more games. We got a recap coming to you. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. 
Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Rolling right along here with our recap and waiver wire episode, we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears and the Oakland Raiders next in the London game. Raiders coming up with a big upset win in this game. The biggest thing to take away is Josh Jacobs, 26 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Who would have thought that Josh Jacobs would have his biggest game of the year against the Chicago Bears? Not only does this make you feel great about Josh Jacobs moving forward because he played well against a tough matchup, maybe the toughest matchup of all, but it's also awesome because if you're a Josh Jacobs owner, he got 26 carries in this game. There's been an emphasis since week one to get him the ball more consistently as a workhorse back. That is exactly what they did throughout this game. Now, of course, they were put in position to be able to do so. They are able to get out to a big 17-0 lead heading into half, and that's what allowed them to continue to stick with the run. They haven't been in too many game scripts that have been that favorable for them. He also tacked on about three catches for 20 yards in the passing game, too. I would like to see him get a little bit more involved in that area because that would give him the floor that he needs, but it would also put him in position to really be able to dominate teams and be a true workhorse back. We still saw DeAndre Washington get a little bit involved, still saw Jalen Rashard get a little bit involved. So I would like to see him against teams that he doesn't have necessarily a favorable game script for that he could possibly be able to actually have a high floor no matter who he's playing against, no matter what the game script is. But at the end of the day, you're going to be really happy about what you're getting out of Josh Jacobs, especially coming out of this matchup. There's no Tyrone Williams in this game. There's really no pass catchers of note. Darren Waller is the only guy you really care about for this Oakland Raiders team. He was just four catches for 39 yards and five targets. To be expected, Chicago has been one of the best against the tight ends thus far this season. And outside of that, there really aren't too many guys that you're going to be depending on fantasy-wise from the Oakland Raiders on a week-in, week-out basis. Now on the Chicago Bears side of the ball, Chase Daniels had his first start, but Allen Robinson finally finds the end zone, and not just once, but twice on his first touchdowns of the year. So if you're an Allen Robinson owner, that has to get you excited. Glad to finally see him get in the red zone. Still only going over 100 yards once this game, but seven catches for 97 yards and two touchdowns in this one. You can't ask for better production than that. Allen Robinson, to me, is still a very high-end wide receiver three who can give you wide receiver two upside, especially when he's able to find the end zone, hopefully on a more consistent basis. It is a shame that it took Chase Daniels in order for him to find the end zone in this one, but we don't know exactly how long they're going to be without Mitchell Trubisky. So we know that Chase Daniels is going to lock on to his number one target, and as long as he is the quarterback, Allen Robinson should have a pretty decent floor, especially in plus matchups like this one, because of the ability that he has in order to get open, and he is just a safety blanket there for Chase Daniels within this offense. Anthony Miller really hasn't been much of anything of note. Taylor Gabriel might miss another week after this, so Allen Robinson is still looking at a healthy floor moving forward. Now, they do have the bye week heading into next week, so we'll see where they're at coming out of that going into week seven as far as what Mr. Trubisky and where he's at in his recovery, but as long as Chase Daniels on the ground, I do like Allen Robinson, at least his floor moving forward as a wide receiver three flex play. David Montgomery was disappointing in this game. I had big expectations for David Montgomery coming into this matchup because I figured the Oakland Raiders, while their run defense has been decent without Vontez Perfect, I didn't believe that they would really be able to hold this running game down. But it was also a weird game script. You had the Chicago Bears go down early, like I said, 
So they had to throw the ball more than they would necessarily have wanted to, and they never were really able to quite get into rhythm. Uh, the biggest thing here is that David Montgomery is still by far the leading back as far as carries go, but Tariq Cohen got more involved because the Bears had to come back from behind, especially in the second half. So things like that aren't typically going to happen. It's usually going to be a closer game for these guys. So I do look for that moving forward. I'm not going to be worried about David Montgomery, but he's still a guy who's more of a flex play, and you're waiting for him to be a consistent RB2 than not. Moving on to our next game, the big shootout of the week was the Falcons and the Houston Texans. I had a feeling this game could be a shootout. I said it as such, but I did know it could go one of two ways. It was either going to be a shootout or it was going to be a complete dud because both teams had not been playing very well. But it wound up being the highest scoring game of the week between the Falcons and the Houston Texans, and there were a ton of fantasy points. Let's start on the Falcons side of the ball. So what we know moving forward is that while that offense had not looked in sync too much, and even in this game, they seem to have moments where they struggled. They are still an offense that's going to have such a high volume throwing the football. Matt Ryan, once again, I think he's gone over 300 yards every single week so far this season. Able to tack on three touchdowns, and this one he continues to be a top fantasy quarterback play. Look, that defense is going to continue to give up points. So he's going to have to be able to throw the ball to keep it moving. Now, while Julio Jones had his second disappointing week in a row, we know Julio Jones is going to be turned around. He's going to be a wide receiver one. Not really worried about anything there. Austin Hooper continued to be targeted pretty heavily in this one. And in PPR leagues, he continues to have one of the highest floors out of any tight end at the moment. So that's something else to keep your eyes on. But Calvin really was able to get back on track in this game, which is really important because he had been kind of a dud for the past few weeks. But with the volume that this offense has been having, there's going to be more times than that that Calvin really is going to be involved and be a factor for this team. So I'm not going to be too concerned about that either. He had five catches for 88 yards and a touchdown on nine targets in this one tie with Hooper for the most targets on the team. They're going to be in game scripts more similar to this where they're having to come back from behind or just having to lean on their passing attack in order to win games. For Devontae Freeman, yes, things were not great on the ground. 11 carries for 30 yards, only 2.7 yards to carry. Things have just really been dreadful on the ground for this team, especially since their offensive line has been banged up. But over the past couple of weeks, Devontae Freeman has been more involved in the passing game. And he did have five catches for 40 yards and a touchdown on five targets in this one. And that is what you want to see. As long as Freeman is involved in the passing game, you are just fine. He will have a decent floor for you. And he finally got into the end zone in this one. Once again, I just keep harping on it. This offense is going to have scoring opportunities. So all the guys that you lean on, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, are all going to have opportunities to be able to put up decent fantasy points, if not big-time fantasy points for some of them, week in and week out. So while the team hasn't been playing great, fantasy-wise, you're still able to lean on these guys in plus matchups, which the Houston Texans are one. Now, of course, on the Texans side of the ball, Deshaun Watson, welcome back to fantasy relevancy. Look, it's been a little bit of a tough ride for this offense. I did have a feeling this was going to be a chance for them to get back on track. Watson did, after, reportedly after last week's loss, seem to have a little extra chip on his shoulder heading into this week to try to get back going again, and he came back in a big way. 426 yards, five touchdowns, looked great all throughout the game. Now, you're not always going to have the Atlanta Falcons offense in order to get you back right again, but you took advantage of 
of a matchup that you were supposed to take advantage of, and that's what you want to see. And like so many teams, sometimes it just takes that one game, that one mismatch in your favor to get your confidence and momentum building for you to move forward as this team. Look, Deshaun Watson started off slow last year, still finished as the QB3 overall. It could be a similar situation, especially with this game, as a turn to, as a turnstone for them to get moving back in the right direction. It wouldn't surprise me. They have the weapons. They're too talented for this offense to continue to struggle the way that they had. And this really could have been the turnaround that they were looking for. Carlos Hyde once again gets 21 carries in this game. Only 60 yards, but does get the rushing touchdown. He continues to be far and above the back to own. Duke Johnson was not that involved in this one. He did have 9 carries for 51 yards, but when you compare that to the 22 touches that Carlos Hyde got in total, it's still not a lot. It still shows that he is very much going to be big play dependent because he's not even that involved in the passing game because Deshaun Watson doesn't check it down to the running backs that often. It was Will Fuller in this game who was the big guy, 14 catches, 217 yards, three touchdowns. Now, if you're DeHondre Hopkins owner, yes, it was disappointing because you're in a plus matchup. Sean Watson, all these yards, and pretty much half of it went to Will Fuller. That's not normally going to be the case, and Fuller was due for a big game. But Hopkins still had seven catches for 88 yards, so it wasn't like he had a bad game in this one. And better days are ahead, of course, for DeAndre Hopkins. One of the leading by-low targets heading into this week, if people who are maybe going to be 1-4 after this week is all said and done, maybe 2-3 and three are panicking a little bit, have some holes on their roster, and have DeAndre Hopkins that they feel they can maybe trade to get some depth out of them. He could be a possible buy low candidate for you. So just kind of keep an eye out. Know your league. If you the guy who has DeAndre Hopkins in your league is in a tough situation, maybe field some offers. See where he's at. See if you can't make something good happen. Kiki Kute was involved in this one. Three three catches for 72 yards on four targets. Came in to be the third receiver for Kenny Stills. Look, what made it clear to me is that Kiki Kute only has value if Kenny Stills is out. Now, while Kenny Stills didn't play in this week, he was limited in practice all of last week. So there's a chance he could come back next week. But even if it's not next week, it may be the week after that. It's going to be sooner rather than later. So I don't know how many weeks Kute might have PPR relevancy. And that's all we're talking about here. Because if you're in standard leagues, if you're in half-point leagues, I don't know how much I'm going after Kute. He's such a low floor right now with this offense that I just feel like if it's a full-point PPR league, you might be able to get away with a serviceable low-end uh, guy that you can stick in your flex or your wide receiver three spot, depending on your bye weeks and your injuries that you're dealing with at the moment. But that's pretty much all you're looking at right now until he's able to get more involved, which I just think this offense, the way that they're built, Kenny Stills is the way to go. And he's a big he's a big factor when it comes to Will Fuller. No Kenny Stills, what happens? Will Fuller goes off. Because the thing is, Fuller and Stills have been sharing the down-the-field duties and kind of been taking away from each other, especially Kenny Stills taking away from Will Fuller in this instance. So if for fantasy purposes, I think you would want, whether it's a Kute owner or whether it's a Wolf Fuller owner, you want to see Kenny Stills kind of set out a little bit because there aren't too many people who are going to be depending to play Kenny Stills when it comes to fantasy football purposes. But when it comes to those other two guys that have been, well, Kute was pretty much dropped at this point, but when it comes to those guys that have been hyped throughout the summer or in Fuller's case, people have been waiting for him to have a big game. Stills is kind of the key ingredient there, whether he plays or not, I think. But DeAndre Hopkins, of course, is going to be as safe as they come. 
Darren Fells here was the one who got two touchdowns for the tight ends. They, Him and Atkins continue to take away from each other. There's going to be no clear-cut tight end as long as both of them are on the field. Now, if an injury happens to one of them, I do think the other one would be stream-worthy at the position because Watson has been looking for the tight ends more and more in the red zone as of late. So something to kind of keep your eye on is something where to shake out there. But while they're both on the field, I don't think you can trust either one really. Next game we got to talk about is the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants in this one. The Vikings did what I hoped they would do. They took advantage of a plus matchup and got the passing game going. Kirk Cousins finally went over 300 yards, had two touchdowns in this one, and he didn't even have to throw the ball a ton in order to get there. He looked much more confident throwing the ball. They just they did what they needed to do. They took advantage of the situation. They didn't just run the ball and try to get out with a win by playing defense. They actually allowed their passing game to get aggressive and go down the field, and it paid dividends, and I think it's going to pay dividends for them moving forward. They got a tough game against the Eagles, a game in which it's going to be hard for them to run the ball. Effectively, they're going to have to be able to throw the football in that one in order to win that game. So this game, I think, was pivotal that they actually got the passing game going and got some confidence back in there for the receivers, for Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, for Kirk Cousins, and now we can move forward with Adam Thielen, who has the big game, of course, seven catches for 103 yards and two touchdowns, but don't sleep on Stephon Diggs. While he didn't have the big week, while he only had three catches for 44 yards, the fact that the passing game in general played much better bodes well for Stephon Diggs moving forward. They have a great schedule coming up over the next month or so for the Minnesota Vikings as far as the receivers go, and this matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles spells out to be more of a Stephon Diggs game than it does an Adam Thielen game in my book because of the matchup, because of the way the Eagles lack the speed in the secondary. So I do think it's going to flip-flop, roll, reverse, and because they actually have the confidence moving forward to be effective, I think Stephon Diggs is in a situation where he may surprise you and have a nice big week against the Philadelphia Eagles next week. Do not sleep on it. Don't leave him out of your starting lineups if you have him and look for better days ahead. This actually gave me encouragement even though Diggs didn't have a great week here in this one. Dalvin Cook continues to be amazing. Six catches for 86 yards and then ran 21 times for 132 yards. The only thing he didn't do is score in this game, but he has been downright great and has been the number two running back overall behind just Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he has been absolutely phenomenal. He looks great. He looks durable this season thus far, and that's been the big factor for this team. They're going to continue to lean on him. Like I said, he does have a tough matchup next week, but because he catches the ball, there's really no matchup that Dalvin Cook is completely left out on. So that's the great thing there. So you can play him no matter the situation. On the Giants side of the ball, we do have some injury news we have to talk about. Sterling Shepard reported today did get a concussion in this game and as a result, he's actually expected to miss multiple weeks as it was a serious concussion on him and because it's the second one in less than a month, they expect to take their time with him. That means all of a sudden Golden Tate who came back from suspension in this game was quiet, didn't have much production, but now puts himself in a situation where he's going to have to be the number one wide receiver of the Giants. So if you made that pickup because he was sitting there on your waiver wires, my hat's off to you because now all of a sudden Golden Tate's in a prime position to be an asset, a very solid wide receiver three or flex play that you're going to be able to put in your lineups, especially in PPR. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or 
prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Because he's going to be the most targeted wide receiver there for the Giants for at least probably the next few weeks. The other injury we got to talk about is Wayne Gallman. He goes out in this one. He also had a concussion, but his days may be done as the lead back anyway because Saquon Barkley might actually be able to make a return in week six against the Patriots. Now, of course, follow me on at MDSFFshow on Twitter because that is where you will find uh, all those update news notifications as the week goes on to determine whether or not Saquon's actually going to be able to play this week. But there is a chance, there was a chance he was going to come back next week. So there is a legitimate chance that he could come back against the Patriots. Now, you don't love the matchup, but if Saquon plays, you have to play Saquon in your lineups. And we will be watching that intently. If it is not Saquon, then Jonathan Hillman and Elijah Penny figure to split touches and I'm going to tell you right now, spoiler alert, neither one of them are on my waiver wire report because to me, even if Saquon does not play because they're playing against New England Patriots and because they're going to be splitting touches, I don't really believe either one has a ton of value heading into this week. And that's why I completely left them off because I don't think you're going to want to pick them up and play. And you, even if you do, you would maybe only have them for one week anyway. So something else to keep in mind there. Danny Dimes was far from it in this game. Only 21 of 38, 182 yards. Wasn't really able to get anybody going. Darius Slayton, who was a sleeper fantasy pick of mine, uh, had four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. He will continue to see significant playing time now as throwing Shepard out. He is the Giants' best down-the-field threat that they have. Now, he's not somebody who I would want to lean on, and I'm definitely not going to play him against the Patriots. But in these bye weeks, I do think he's going to have certain situations and certain matchups where he could be a sleeper play, especially if you're talking about DFS tournament plays, I think would be the big one where you can maybe find a certain situation that you could actually play him with some confidence. Evan Ingram, once again, six catches, 42 yards on 11 targets. I think while Sterling Shepard is out, Evan Ingram might be the number one pass catcher of this team, at least until Saquon Barkley gets going again. He didn't do a, he didn't have a great game in this one, but he's always going to have a pretty high floor. He's always going to be a tight end one for you. So he's as dependable as they come. Even in tougher matchups, you know, he's at least going to get a healthy volume. Next game up we're going to talk about is the Jets and the Eagles. This was just a one-sided affair. First of all, I have ever Adam Gase is just a gift that keeps on giving because he always gives me new ammunition. How dumb of a coach do you have to be to give a guy who was not cleared for contact all week, we're not 100% sure was going to be able to play this week, give him all of the first team reps, and Luke Falk, who you know had at least a chance to possibly have to play in this game, no practice reps. None. How does that happen? Sam Darnold took all the practice reps, and then they find out on Friday he's not going to be able to go on Sunday. So now Luke Falk comes in a situation where he didn't get any practice time, so he didn't get any chance to get better coming off of last week, didn't get any chance to prepare. Oh, and by the way, the Jets came off of a bye week in this game. A bye week, and they were still that unprepared. 
I know Jay Gruden's the one who got fired today, but I think Adam Gase needs to be the one who gets fired next. I know it's just his first season, and I don't care. That is downright incompetency from your head coach. And frankly, if I was the owner, would have fired him after that. You come off the bye week, not prepared for your quarterback situation. Are you kidding me? And as a result, no one had value. We know this was going to be a tough matchup for Le'Veon Bell. 15 carries, 43 yards. What we depend on Le'Veon Bell is the volume to keep him relevant. And at the end of the day, he had a decent game. Seven catches for 45 yards, so he still winds up at 88 yards. He just doesn't get in the end zone. But if you're in PPR leagues, you still wind up getting 15 points. You're going to live with that with Le'Veon Bell. So volume is going to save him throughout this season for fantasy purposes, and you continue to play him. Now, you may not get the big games. You're going to need those plus matchups in order to get big game situations, but you're going to be able to continue to play him because the volume is going to be there because he has the entire offense right now. And when Sam Darnold comes back, it can only get better because the offense might actually have some improvement as far as being able to move the ball on some consistency. On the Eagles' side of the ball, Carson Wentz was disappointing from a fantasy standpoint, but the fact is, at the end of the day, he didn't have to do too much in this game. I mean, they dominated from from the get-go. So... In a situation where it kind of just went awry, where the matchup was good, and you thought, well, Alshon Jeffrey's there, and he's been pretty decent since Alshon Jeffrey has been there. The problem has just has been, you know, if they get in a situation like this where they don't have to do too much, then they're not going to. So I would chalk this up to just that, this game script. I'm not worried about Carson Wentz moving forward. And each week that we gain is another week closer to Sean Jackson getting back. And that only means good, positive things for Carson Wentz and the entire Eagle offense to come. They're going to be put in situations where they're going to be able to put up a lot of points and have to score against some of the better teams that are coming up in their matchups, in their schedule coming up. So we're going to see games in which the Eagles had to put up more output in the passing game. And when Deshaun Jackson comes back, everything on that offense falls back into place. I still have high hopes for Carson Wentz finishing as a top 10 QB1 this season. Jordan Howard, once again, was very good. 13 carries, 62 yards, finds the end zone again, and once again was much better than Miles Sanders. Nine carries for 15 yards only for Miles Sanders. Now, he was efficient in the pass game, four catches, 49 yards. But that's what we're going to come to expect. Now, it's clear what the Eagles want to do is make Miles Sanders their passing down guy and give him some carries while Jordan Howard is their goal line back and he's going to get, and he's, and he's only going to get carries when they try to pound the football. And coming out of that game, right away, head coach Doug Peterson said moving forward, they want to get Jordan Howard even more carries. He fits well behind that offensive line. He fits really well with what they want to do, especially when they try, want to try to turn to the run game to take him home or close out games, or close out their series. He's been very good in the red zone for them so far. If you're a Miles Sanders owner, I don't know when you're going to feel comfortable playing him. I don't know that Miles Sanders actually takes over the job at any point this season, barring an injury to Jordan Howard. Of course, he gets hurt. That's a different scenario. But as far as actually just taking over this job, I don't think it's going to happen at any point. Jordan Howard's going to continue to be the guy they go to when they get inside the 10. It's going to really limit Miles Sanders' value moving forward. So just something to keep in mind. Alshon Jeffrey in this one, six catches, 52 yards on eight targets. We know he's a guy who's not always going to get 100 yards. You want him to try to get into the end zone, but he is getting a healthy volume from week to week. I will take eight targets out of receiver two any day of the week. Zach Ertz finally gets into the end zone in this one. Once again, five catches, 57 yards. He still hasn't had a big yardage game yet this season, but getting into the end zone, still getting a healthy amount of volume, seven targets in this one. Dallas Goddard really has not been the factor that people thought he was going to be into this season so far. So Zach Ertz continues to have a solid floor as a solid tight end one for you moving forward. 
Next up we want to talk about is the Cardinals and the Bengals in this game. Ugly game, first of all. But fantasy relevancy. Kyler Murray doesn't throw for a passing touchdown, 253 yards, but does rush for 93 yards and a touchdown. He's starting to use his legs more and more and more. And I've been talking, I was talking about that last week, how he's been starting to do that. And the offense, as a result, has been a little bit more dynamic over the past few weeks. Get to play the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a terrible defense, and you're able to take advantage as a result. And David Johnson, predictably so, had a good game in this one. 17 carries, 91 yards, 3 catches, 65 yards in this one. David Johnson has been going over 100 yards from scrimmage on a pretty consistent basis. And that all stems from the fact that they have an up-tempo offense and the Cincinnati Bengals are terrible. Any running back you have against the Bengals is going to be gravy. And whenever you get your RB1 up against the Bengals, you're just licking your chops. So it's almost a disappointment that David Johnson didn't even have a bigger game, didn't find the end zone in this game. But nothing you're going to complain about here. Larry Fitzgerald here, six catches, 58 yards. He continues to support a healthy volume. He was the only receiver of note. Keyshawn Johnson was targeted a bunch of times but didn't have much to show for it. With no Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald is the only wide receiver that you can depend on for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see this week with Christian Kirk. He did have a successful surgery, but I do think it's going to take a little bit more uh, before he's able to come back. I do think it's going to take at least one more week as he was still pretty banged up. But he will look to get into practice. He did practice a little bit last week. So we'll see what his progress will be. Make sure you're following along with me. We're going to take another quick break, come back, finish off recapping the rest of the games from week five. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's unwrapsports.com. Keeping this thing rolling along, we have the last three games to talk about from week five. Just full disclosure, I am recording this Monday night while the Monday night game is going on. So we're not actually going to wind up recapping the game, although it is about to enter into the fourth quarter and it's 28 to 3 San Francisco. But what we will do is that if there's injuries that we have to talk about, which, you know, Kyle Juszczyk, that was an injury that happened, not really fantasy relevant, but can have an impact on the team, especially with the running game. Uh, stuff like that. I will talk about all that stuff on Twitter uh, moving forward. If we have other guys to talk about, like Odell Beckham so far, not having a great game. Baker struggling once again. Those are all things we'll talk about moving into uh, next week, especially with the preview episodes on Thursday and Friday for you. So just full disclosure there, because when we get to the end of this and we don't really talk about the Monday night game, that's why, because we're going to jump after we're done recapping these last few games, we're going to go ahead and go into the waiver wire segment. But moving along with the Brenver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers, Joe Flacco came back down the earth in this one as the running game for the Denver Broncos got going. Philip Lindsay, 15 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. He's been turning it on as of late, getting back up to snuff. Royce Freeman still had 13 carries. He only had two less carries in this one, 61 yards. He still had a good efficiency, 4.7 yards a carry, but does still has not scored a touchdown yet this season. That has been going to Philip Lindsay. He continues to be more involved in the passing game. Lindsay has been four catches, 33 yards. Royce Freeman only had two catches in this one. So Phil Lindsay still has that 
I want to say 53 to 47 split as far as the overall work share for the backfield goes. And lately, it has actually been spelling out in production, which is what you want to see. So he still has somebody who's been, who can maybe move forward as that low end RB2 that you drafted him to be. Very high end flex play. And Royce Freeman right now is more of a low end flex play, borderline a handcuff play at this point. Where I think unless something were to happen to Philip Lindsay, I don't know how or when you would ever trust playing Roy Streaming in your lineups. Cortland Sutton continues his hot streak, four catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. I actually thought it was going to be Emmanuel Sanders in this one, and it wasn't. He only had one catch for nine yards. Better days are ahead for Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not going to worry about that. Yes, it's disappointing because it should have been a plus matchup, especially since Sanders was the guy who shouldn't have been anywhere near Hayward. But it's not something I'm going to worry about at the end of the day. We know that Joe Flacco has shown a rapport with Emmanuel Sanders so far, so he's got better matchups ahead for him. Now, with Cortland Sutton, he's worked himself in a situation where he should be considered a high-end wide receiver three, and whether it's playing as a three-receiver spot or in your flex spot, should be considered more times than most of being your starting lineups. He's a guy who has definite red zone potential in any given week. And also, the Flacco and the Broncos passing attack hasn't been bad and has been looking better and better to this point. Now, Flacco didn't have a lot of production, but he's still able to get the ball to the wide receiver, still able to get the ball to Cortland Sutton, who has been pretty solid, and he's entering that top-end wide receiver three territory. That's pretty much it for the Broncos. Noah Fant kind of went back down to being fantasy irrelevant. He's going to have to show more consistency on a week-to-week basis before you can actually trust him to be able to stream him. On the Chargers side of the ball, Phillip Rivers was absolutely abysmal in this game. So it's hard to take a lot out of it. First of all, it was a weird, while the score was 20 to 13, this game never felt like it was actually that close. It always felt like the Denver Broncos were pretty much in control of this thing from start to finish. Uh, and Philip Rivers, only 211 yards in this one, two interceptions, no touchdowns. He's going to have better days ahead, which will spell better days for Keenan Allen, who is, you know, disappointing in this one. Now, with Allen, you knew he's going to have a tough match against Chris Harris, who still is a top corner, but four catches for 18 yards is a little bit lower than what you would expect even still. Mike Williams had 13 targets in this game, only five catches, oh, I'm sorry, six catches for 74 yards to show for it. Still has not scored through five weeks. Now, he has missed two of those games due to injury, but got a little bit banged up in this one, was able to come back in. Still doesn't look like he's really quite 100%. But Mike Williams is somebody who I said last week I think is becoming a wide receiver for touchdown or bust type of player. Uh, While this was not a bad game, six catches for 74 yards, he still is mediocre. He still is a maybe a top-end wide receiver for until he starts scoring red zone. Now, he has been getting red zone opportunities, but it's more Phillip Rivers forcing it in because they know once they, teams know once they get in the red zone, they are trying to look for Mike Williams, and he's constantly getting doubled in those situations. So until they, until they start opening it up in the offense, until they get better play calling, especially in those situations, I don't know. Maybe when Melvin Gordon gets more touches and he gets going, that'll help open things up a little bit for Mike Williams too in the red zone. But until then, I still think he is a wide receiver for touchdown or bust type of player. And this was more due to Keenan Allen having a tough match matchup and the Chargers having to throw the ball so much because they were down pretty much since the start of this game. So there aren't going to be too many situations where he's going to get the opportunity to have 13 targets and really didn't have a lot on it. So I am still a little bit worried about Mike Williams living up to his fantasy potential this season. The big story we have to take away is Austin Eckler was targeted 16 times. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. 15 receptions, 86 yards, 
he still managed PPR leagues. He still managed to be a top-notch play, even with Melvin Gordon splitting touches with him or splitting snaps, I should say, because well, he split touches with him to some degree because Melvin Gordon did have twelve carries. Eckler only had three, but Gordon and Gordon had four receptions while Eckler had fifteen. So it was eighteen to sixteen touches in favor of Eckler. So that is pretty even. But Eckler was just much more effective, especially since he was more utilized in the passing game, was able to get more yardage in that situation. So that's what you look for there. But I think moving forward, we're going to see Melvin Gordon get more and more touches. This was his first week back. I still think he's somebody you're going to be able to play. Now, if you're disappointed because Melvin Gordon had a big game against Denver, I understand it, but you also had to know that he wasn't going to have the same ceiling he is going to have most weeks heading into this matchup because he's not going to be on the same snap count. He will play more and more as this season goes on, as he gets his legs back under him and gets back into football shape. It's just probably going to take another, it might take another week before that happens. But I do expect this timeshare to go to a 55, 45, 60, 40 split over the next couple of weeks in favor of Melvin Gordon. They were very excited to get him back for a reason. So I do think we have better days ahead as far as Melvin Gordon goes for sure. And Austin Eckler, we're going to see his role diminish a little bit and a little bit. Now he's always going to have flex appeal, especially in PPR leagues, because he's going to be involved in the passing game. We know this. But as far as him actually out-touching Melvin Gordon, unless there's an injury, I think we're going to see that slip away over the next few weeks. So just kind of keep that in mind if you're an Austin Eckler owner and you don't also have Melvin Gordon too. There's nothing else to really talk about there. A lot of it is kind of was game script and a weird kind of situation they were in on Sunday. So the next game we want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. No Devontae Adams, so kind of predictably Aaron Rodgers didn't have a great game in this one. I don't know if you can play Aaron Rodgers with any confidence if he does not have Devontae Adams right now. Now part of it, it was kind of twofold. Aaron Jones had great success against the Dallas Cowboys, which was unexpected to happen in Dallas, who have a pretty good run defense and just were not able to take care of business at home in this one. So a lot of times Aaron Jones is going to go for four rushing touchdowns. In fact, that may never happen again in his career, especially with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. So that's something you take into consideration. But you also know that if Rodgers doesn't have his number one go-to guy, I don't know how much you can depend on him for fantasy purposes. He's only had one good fantasy week. Now against Detroit, if he has Adams back, I do think that's a situation in which we could see him get back on track. He has a history of being able to blow up Detroit. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, especially against Matt Patricia last season. But he's gonna have he's gonna have to have Adams because he helps everything fall into place. Geronimo Alice Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Marquez Valdez scaling are just not good enough on their own to be able to make things happen. Aaron Jones here. Look, Aaron Jones was a benefactor of having unexpected success, but also was a benefactor of no Adams and no Jamal Williams. So he has gotten, he got all kinds of touches in this game as a result. He had seven catches, 75 yards, ran the ball 19 times for 170 yards and four touchdowns. 
definitely by far the biggest game of the year for Aaron Jones, and it's not going to be close. So we, we've seen the biggest game of the year for him, without a doubt. So from that sense, I don't know how excited you're going to be about Aaron Jones moving forward, especially if Jamal Williams comes back. Now, hopefully, hopefully, <coughs> excuse me again, hopefully, Aaron, Matt LaFleur will have learned his lesson in saying that Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones need to split need to split carries. Because clearly, if Aaron Jones has proven anything in Jamal Williams' absence, is that he's a much better back when he's used as the workhorse back. And he's much more talented than Jamal Williams. Period. So hopefully, Matt LaFleur will take this and be, when Jamal Williams does come back, not go back down that road of, I need to split these guys. Hopefully. Because not just for Aaron Jones' owners, but... For everybody in the Packers owners involved, when Devontae Adams comes back, having Aaron Jones as the workhorse makes that offense less predictable. It'll open things up for Rodgers and it'll get that passing attack going. The offense as a whole, I think for the Packers, the offense as a whole is going to be getting better as this season goes on. We've already seen it from week one up until this point. I think this is going to continue to happen. This is another team that has too much talent to continue to be this stagnant on offense, especially in the passing attack with Aaron Rodgers. So I do think better days are ahead. I'm not dumping Aaron Rodgers. I'm not panicking on him yet. But I don't think that he's somebody you can just automatically start anymore either. Uh, Nobody else is really of note. Like I said, Scantling and Allison are just not that great on their own to be able to depend on, period. They need Adams to help them fill their roles the way they need to. Now on the Cowboys side of the ball... This one gets chalked up to bad play calling. It really does. Dak Prescott kind of struggled in this, not from a fantasy standpoint, but an NFL standpoint, he struggled in this game. From a fantasy standpoint, while he had the three interceptions, he still gave you 463 yards and two touchdowns. So from a fantasy standpoint, you're still perfectly fine with what you were able to get out of Dak Prescott. So you're not worried about that part. The play calling, the bad play calling came because you should be able to take advantage against the Green Bay Packers on the run. Ezekiel Elliott only ran the ball 12 times for 62 yards in this one. Now, while the Cowboys fell down early, in the second half, they came roaring back. They were in position where they were only down by one score. They still didn't turn the ball over Ezekiel Elliott, and they should have. Better days are ahead for Elliott, but even in a game where he didn't get nearly as many touches as he should, he still managed to find you 62 yards and a touchdown and 29 yards receiving. So he still got you a solid day. It wasn't the big day that it should have been because he should have had a big day against Green Bay Packers. But it had more to do with game script and play calling than it did with Elliott not just not performing as well as he should have. So I'm not worried about that. Moving, not that you would be worried about Elliott moving forward, but just know that you have better days ahead of you, and that wasn't even a bad day there. Um, I think it's safe to say that Amari Cooper can have big games even with Michael Gallup on the other side of him. 226 yards on 11 catches and a touchdown on 14 targets. Michael Gallup also had 14 targets. 7 catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. This offense can sustain both of these wide receivers. So far, when Michael Gallup has played, and it's only been two games so far this season because of the injury that he had, he's gone over 100 yards and gotten a touchdown. So clearly he's a big part of this offense. Clearly this offense can sustain two top-notch wide receivers. As long as Michael Gallup's healthy, I think he's somebody you have to play as a high-end wide receiver three who may be moving into wide receiver two territory pretty soon, especially if he starts putting out consistent output and is able to stay on the field on a consistent basis. So Michael Gallup to me is somebody, he's he's not really widely available anymore, but I do know that he was on the waiver, waiver wire in some leagues because he had been hurt. He is somebody who I think you can go ahead and he may be the pickup of the year if you picked him up 
off the waiver wire while he was injured because he is somebody I think you're going to be able to come in, you're going to play. I think he's eventually going to be a wide receiver two for you week in and week out and wind up being a league winner as a result that you weren't expecting to get that much production out of in that in this type of player. So I think Michael Gallup is somebody who's going to be really good for you moving forward, and you can play him with Amari Cooper. Because outside of those two, there's really no consistent pass catcher. Randall Cobb was an afterthought. Jason Witten's an afterthought. The only other pass catcher that's involved is Ezekiel Elliott. And that's fine. You, you can have the dump downs to him, and everybody else still do their thing. So I think Michael Gallup's going to be great. For a fantasy standpoint, there's a bounce back for Dak Prescott. They're going to be they're going to have better games. Kellen Moore has done good play calling up until this point. Uh, and I think they're going to get back on track as far as that goes. But still, nothing to complain about as far as fantasy purposes. And you can count on the guys that you're leaning on the Cowboys pretty much week in and week out right now. Last game up that we're going to talk about is the Colts and the Chiefs. Surprising game. Colts wind up with the win. Didn't expect that to happen. I think what I think what's more shocking than the Colts winning is the fact that this game was only 19-13. to Especially when taking into consideration the fact that the Indianapolis Colts were down to like their fourth stringers in the secondary against Patrick Mahomes. Now Mahomes got banged up in this one. Didn't come out of the game, but was definitely hindered by the ankle injury. Wasn't as mobile, couldn't get outside the pocket as much, couldn't dance around, extend plays like he normally likes to. And then even when he could, Sammy Watkins was out after the first play with a hamstring. Didn't come back in. Still no Tyreek Hill. So he was leaning on guys like Mecole Harbin and Demarcus Robinson. We saw that even Patrick Mahomes on a bum ankle can't make miracles out of nothing. Byron Pringle was the top receiver of the day with six catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. I'm just going to name it once because he had a good game. Nobody fantasy relevant to you. And there's a really good chance after a full week of limited practice last week that Tyreek Hill is going to be able to come back next week. I have a good feeling that that will be the case. Now, head coach Andy Reid came out earlier today and said he wants Tyreek Hill to practice in full at some point this week to really have that confidence and take contact, but I think there's a very good chance Tyreek Hill is going to be able to come back and suit up in week six, which is going to be huge, not just for your fantasy teams, but for this offense. Patrick Mahomes needs his top receivers out there. He does. That's what that game against the Colts showed me. Against backups in the Colts secondary, they still weren't able to quite get the job done with a hindered Patrick Mahomes and no Watkins and no Tyreek Hill. Now, the one thing that was kind of disappointing to me is that without those two, I was a little bit surprised how does Travis Kelsey not get more involved? Now, he's been consistent in the sense of he's pretty much getting 70 to 80 yards almost every single week, but he's only has one touchdown. And In this game, he only had four catches, even though he had 10 targets. So the big games out of Travis Kelsey outside of one week so far this season really haven't been there. And it's a little disappointing that in a game in which there was no Watkins and no Tyree Kill, he wasn't able to have a bigger week. Not that you're panning on Travis Kelsey, not that he's still considered the tight end one, but it was just a little disappointing to see in this matchup that they couldn't go to him more. He wasn't able to have a bigger output. The running back situation was something of note that you knew was going to have to be interesting here. Damian Williams came in, led the way in carries, nine carries, 23 yards, three catches, 15 yards. McCoy had two catches, 23 yards, didn't have any carries in this game, had a fumble, and was kind of putting the doghouse here and there. Some reports came out after the game saying McCoy's just been struggling and passing down work, and that that may be the case to some degree, uh, but... I think moving forward, if Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Darrell Williams is an afterthought. Now, the question is, is Darrell Williams going to play enough to take away from McCoy and Damian Williams? 
I think this game was just one of those ugly games that you just don't take a lot out of when it comes to the Chiefs offense due to injuries and game script and, and all those sorts of things. So I do think that you're not really going to be too concerned about this moving forward. I think you're going to be able to play Damian Williams as a flex. I think you're going to be able to play LaShawn McCoy as a flex because I think this offense is that good. They're going to be able to sustain two fantasy-relevant running backs on a week-to-week basis. Maybe a little bit matchup dependent, but we've seen McCoy in action so far with this offense. It was the first disappointing game he's really had. And remember, he's still in his first month with the team. He's still in the first month with the offense. So he's still learning that as we go. And then Damian Williams, he's going to be involved in the passing down work. So for PPR purposes, he's going to stay relevant in, in, uh, in as a flex for those leagues. He's not an efficient runner. We know this. He wasn't efficient in this game, only 2.6 yards per carry. But in this offense, you don't need him to be an efficient runner. You just need him to catch the ball from Patrick Holmes. That's it. That's all you need. So I'm not worried about that either. And we're going to have to see how they get things turned around. On the Colts side of the ball, I was very impressed. Marlon Mack came in this game questionable. It was a true, quote-unquote, game-time decision. So much for that. 29 carries for 132 yards. Yeah, give me that for a guy who is 50-50 coming into this game. Marlon Mack continues to be a beast. And as long as he has plus matchups and is on the field, he is somebody you can just continue to play. Continue to play. So I do love Marlon Mack here moving forward. I think he's established himself. He is a low-end RB1. He is, period, plain and simple. He's outperformed guys like James Conner, Le'Veon Bell. He's an RB1, a low-end, but he is an RB1. He's getting the volume. They want to go to him. T.Y. Hilton in this game, four catches, 37 yards. Not all that surprising. T.Y. Hilton didn't look like he was fully healthy. I didn't expect him to be fully healthy. He was another guy who was 50-50 in this game. I think it was because he was against the Chiefs in a big matchup. That was why he pushed it. Otherwise, I think he maybe would have sat out another week. But T.Y. Hilton is somebody who's going to have better days ahead of him. We know he's the go-to target when Jacoby Brissett is out there on the field. Brissett, as my top streaming quarterback of the week, was a little bit disappointing. He did at least save me with the rushing touchdown, so he at least was somewhat competent. But look, going up against Kansas City Chiefs, more times than not, the opposing quarterback is going to have a decent fantasy day. So I don't regret the call. I'm just sad that in the week that I actually made Jacoby Brissett my number one waiver quarterback didn't really show up. But surprisingly, didn't have to. Surprisingly, this wound up being a defensive game and an offensive game. Who would have thunk? That wraps up our recap. We're going to take a quick break, get into our waiver wire report on the other side. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. So this may be the... Shortest waiver wire segment I have ever done in my entire life because it's only four players. There's nobody else worth looking at. And even then, it could really just be three players. And starting it off is Kiki Kute at 26%. They're playing against Kansas City Chiefs next week. Kenny Stills, maybe one more week before he plays. Going up against the Chiefs in a game, I expect Tyreek Hill to come back. Maybe Sammy Watkins is back. If those things happen, I do think it could be a shootout game between the two. Both defenses are terrible. Both offenses are great. So I think Kute is somebody who could be a one-and-done plug play for you if you're on a bye week next week. And that's pretty much what I would do. 
and it's just for a one-week fill-in. Another one is Matthew Stafford, 44% owned. We saw what Dak Prescott was able to do against the Green Bay Packers. That secondary, I think, of the Green Bay Packers, is while it's better, is a little bit overhyped in exactly how dominant they are. Jared Alexander was a guy who was pulverized up and down the field with Amari Cooper. He's not somebody who I think is a shutdown corner just yet. And Kenny Galladay and this offense, if it turns into, it could, look, that game against the Packers and Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football could go one of two ways. It could be a shootout or it could be a very low scoring affair. So it's going to be a little bit hit or miss in that sense. But I do think that because it's in Green Bay, that's usually where the higher scoring games are when these two face off is in Green Bay rather than Detroit. I do think this game will have a chance to be a good one. Matthew Stafford should be getting a little bit healthier after the bye week. So I do think there's a good chance here that Matthew Stafford will be a top-end streaming quarterback for you this week, and he's only 44% owned on average. By the way, none of the guys I talk about am I going to waste fab budget on, just to be clear there. Adrian Peterson, 47% owned, going up against the Miami Dolphins. New head coach Bill Callahan came out and said that he wants to re-emphasize the run. In order to do that, it would be the best thing to do it against the Dolphins. I do think AP could be a one-week pickup and be done. Flex play for you that has some upside because of the matchup and because I do think there's going to be emphasis to use him, not Wendell Smallwood, hanging into this matchup with no Jay Gruden now finally at the helm. We could see some changes as far as at least the offensive play calling goes for the Washington Redskins. So against the Miami Dolphins, I do think there's a chance here for Adrian Peterson to have a decent fantasy game. If you're looking for a flex play, he's a guy who I would think about going with. And my number four guy, you can pretty much kind of throw out because as this day went on, we're wondering, you know, can Mason Rudolph come back after a concussion? And he already was ruled out and might be ruled out for a few weeks now. Devlin Hodges is going to be the starting quarterback next week. So I did have Deontay Johnson on here at 37%. But even then, yeah. I think you can kind of pass. I don't think there's going to be any wide receiver outside of Juju Smith-Schuster who you're going to be able to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that guy you can even leave off the list. That's why I said it actually could be three players because I just put that one on there. Contingent on Mason Rudolph maybe making a miraculous recovery. Because there's not much out there. This is probably one of the worst waiver wire weeks heading into it. You'll still have your defenses that you can stream, your kickers that you can stream depending on matchups, depending on what's available in your league. But this is a week where, if you're looking to play the waiver wire, this is a week where you want to go ahead and pick up your handcuffs. If you have if you have Dalvin Cook, pick up Alexander Madison. If you have Todd Gurley, pick up Malcolm Brown. If you have Derrick Henry, pick up Deion Lewis. This is a week where if you have roster spots available to use waiver wire players on, this is where this is where you take lottery tickets. Pick up Gina, even if you don't have these starters, pick up guys like Giovanni Bernard. Who have injury guys in front of them who have injury history who you know are one play away from being a workhorse back for however long the starter's out for. Pick up those guys this week. That will actually be the main focus of your waiver wires this week. If you're not streaming a defense, streaming a kicker, or streaming a quarterback, you're probably just going to be looking to pick up handcuffs and take lottery tickets on in case guys get hurt. Because this is a week where your waiver wires aren't going to cut it. And hopefully you have a deep enough teams because we got four teams on by next week. Hopefully you have deep enough rosters already to be able to play what you need because there's not going to be a lot of help for you on average, throughout the waiver wire. I know there's some leagues out there where you probably have a ridiculous amount of talent available to on the waiver wire. On average, there's not going to be any players on the waiver wire this week that are truly going to be able to help you outside of the ones that I named. There's only like four of them. 
So that's going to wrap up today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. What I'm going to be doing here is that I'll still have the preview episodes on Thursday and Friday, so make sure you get your star sick questions in. But I'm going to be recording the Thursday preview episode on Wednesday night, doing a little bit early this week. I do have my wife's and I anniversary is this weekend. That's why I'm going to be away again this weekend. I'm still going to be getting those preview episodes out to you, but Fridays might become might be a little bit late or it's going to be really early. I'm either going to record it late Thursday night and get it out to you early Friday morning or I'll be recording it later on the day Friday. May not come out till Saturday. So make sure you're following me at Twitter at MDSFFshow for all the players' new update notifications at MDFFshow on Facebook too. And I'll have all the content for you guys there. Of course, I'm always uploading episodes to the website www.mdfshow.com mdffshow.com. The rankings will still be available to you guys by Thursday afternoon. No worries there. So make sure you go ahead and check that out too. Make sure you're contacting me. Make sure you're checking out one of my networks, Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, or the Unwrapped Sports Network. I'm actually not going to be doing a waiver wire segment video this week because I don't really think there's any point. It'd be like a two-second video, and you know why, because I just did the waiver wire segment with you guys. But I will be doing a rankings video and an injury report video later on this week so i will still be on sportscaster at least twice this week so you have that to look forward to and i'll be sure to let you guys know at md nation when exactly that'll all drop too so there'll still be tons of content for you guys heading into your week six matchups i hope you guys all have a good luck and a better week this week good luck on the waiver wire and i will see you guys again on thursday Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.